This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What's up, motherfuckers? Welcome back to another episode of the Low Life Motherfucking Chopper Podcast. What's up, sports fans? <laughs> that's the new. That's the new new intro. Did you catch that? Yeah, I I missed the first oh. half of it because I was just like, oh, I've seen this a hundred times, and I was just like looking off into space. <laughs> we can play it again. I seen your part. It looked legit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just added some more picks. Yeah, look good. Yeah. So happy Friday, everybody. We are very excited. We are joined with Perry Steed uh, from Operation Purpose. Thank you for for coming on our show today, Perry. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> I can't believe we didn't do this last year after the show. Yeah, we definitely should have done this last year after the show. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. I'm here now, right? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. We're not that well prepared. We're not. <laughs> We're kind of doing my life, man. Story of my life. Yeah. We might not be handy, but we're handsome. All right. Uh before we get before we get into the interview, we got some heavy housekeeping this week. Heavy. Heavy. Yeah. Uh I'm actually super excited to talk about this because uh have you guys ever heard of Malort? Sounds made up. Have you ever Heard of Malort? It's a Chicago area delicacy, and I've been meaning you can't go to the liquor store and buy this. It's legendarily shitty. People say it tastes like wet socks, garbage, vomit. But uh, we have a. I reached out to our our Chicago area friend Elvis Quanbeck, and I go, dude, can you send me a bottle of Malort? And he fucking came through. Not only did he get this Malort bottle. He sent me a bunch of Chicago thing. I guess this is a thing in Chicago. Hot gardenia. That looks good. And a bunch of beers. But I wanted to try this for the first time in my life on air. And I might puke. I've actually seen a lot of tastings. Wait, where why? Dudes You've never puke. had it before? And you wanted him to send it to you? Yeah, because it's <sighs> it's supposed to be so bad. Like, people take shots and they just start vomiting. Uh it That's... has a, an aroma and full-bodied flavor of an unusual botanical. Bitter taste is savored by two-fisted drinkers. So I'm going to pour myself a shot, and I might get sick on air, but I wanted to do I this. I hope you puke so bad. Oh, dude, I think I, sure. I was a heavy pour. It serve you right. <laughs> did I got a chaser? Oh, yeah, he gave me this other thing. I think there's a drink. This is another Chicago thing, old style. I guess these two things go together. This does not... It doesn't taste, doesn't smell bad, but uh, Elvis, thank you. Make sure I get my trash can ready. See it. 
Good. Wow. That is horrendous. It looks good. <laughs> I guess it has wormwood is like the only flavoring in it. Dude, that tastes like it tastes like a band-aid. That's fucking right. disgusting. Wow. Thanks. Thank you though. Uh oh, wow. It doesn't go away. The flavor just <laughs> lingers. Malort. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna bring this everywhere I go and make people take shots of it. That is fucking disgusting. That is the definitely the worst liquor I've ever had by a lot. It tastes like <laughs> it tastes like earth. Anyways, um another update that I wanted to share is uh Zenith Motoko. He hit me up about the a lot of people were hitting us up about the Vermont loophole for registration that they shut down. And I didn't know this was a thing, but there's apparently uh, a motorcycle, a vintage motorcycle repair shop that offers title service. So this is, I guess, a little PSA if you're having trouble getting your uh, old shit box titled. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. That fucking Malort is still, I don't think I'll ever, <laughs> I don't know if I'll, it'll ever go away. Uh, so Saints underscore engine, they're at a Chattanooga, Tennessee, and they offer a title service. So... You just uh, said Chattanooga so weird. What did I say? How did I say uh, it? You just put like a lot of syllables in there. You're like Chattanooga. Dude, I'm seriously like, I don't know what Wormwood, like maybe I'm allergic or something, but I'm feeling like preoccupied. Um, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Saints underscore engine. If you have a piece of shit that you were planning on sending to Vermont to get titled, uh, send it to them. I I, I assume that they charge a nominal fee for that service but uh yeah i didn't know that was a thing i i was actually joking with someone that had hit me up about it like oh well i'll just do it in new hampshire if you send me your title because it's so easy to get things registered here but they don't do titles but uh i guess they do in ten tennessee so um the other shout out north parts co if you're on the west coast and you want some vapor honing done. Now, this guy does a bunch of stuff. He does uh, repairs on vintage Harley stuff. He does sandblasting, Cerakote, fab work, uh, machine work, all that shit. But uh, cool guy, he's in Washington, which is uh, in Longview, Washington, which is like 30 miles north of Portland, Oregon. So if you're on that coast, don't send me your shit to get vapor honed. Hit North Parts Co. up. He just opened up a shop. Uh legit dude looks like he does a little bit of everything so he's pretty fucking handy uh but check him out give him a follow at north parts co did you have any housekeeping um nothing like what you have um just shout outs all right <laughs> uh first one is to la espada chopper club they have a show coming up saturday may 4th 2024 576 Primrose Street, Haverhill, Mass. Custom bikes, bands, beer, food, vendors, and raffles. Uh, there's an indoor show and a ride-in show. Starts at noon. Those, uh, bu -bu -bu, hold on. Band raffles and awards start at 4 p.m. Um, if you need any information, hit up F6T9W. Uh, and I know I've said this before, but the motherfucking low life lowdown 
June 8th, 2024, 232 Califf Highway, Epping, New Hampshire. There will be food, beer, music, raffles, uh, motorcycle and chopper show, and biker games. Um, listen, if you came last year, it was a fucking blast. This year is going to be bigger and better. Um, a lot more shit. All raffle proceeds go to the man himself, Perry at Operation Purpose. Um, so come out, hang out. It's the first day of bike week. It gives you something to do. Uh, you got six more fucking days to go to Laconia if you want. So get down to this show on the 8th. It's two weeks. Bike week's two weeks. You got 13 more days. Oh, 13 days. I thought it was one whole week. Oh, no, they do right. two. two weeks. Fuck. Yeah, they call it bike week, but it's bike weeks. weeks. <laughs> yeah, so you get two weekends in there. Um, yeah, it's gonna be a banger. We will probably be set up at bike week too. Doing Hopefully. something. Oh, we're gonna find somewhere. I'll just fucking just set, set up, up on, on the, the sidewalk. sidewalk. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Just taking uh money for parking cars and shit in someone else's driveway. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, we also have a uh. Our coffee collab, Bump Shop Diaries, he just released another awesome pulp video. Uh, that's uh, the Trey Bark assassin, old Rodney. He's, uh, I was going to say Chicago's in Michigan, but it's not. It's in Illinois. But same thing to us New Englanders. <laughs> I'm not good with geography, as we've uh, established pretty, <laughs> pretty well on this show. Uh, but if you buy a camp mug, which I've seen a few out in the wild, thank you guys for tagging you us have? in those pics. Oh, I thought you uh, like you like seen online it. in the wild. <laughs> so I guess not at all <laughs> in the wild. I see mine in the wild every day. My kids really yeah, like same. it. And I don't mind giving it to them because if they drop it, it's not going to shatter into a thousand pieces. Uh, but if you buy a mug, a camp mug off of lowlifechopperpodcast.com uh, in our store, uh, I'll send you a code for five bucks off the hardtail blend. Uh, dude, fresh roasted, whole bean or ground, beautiful coffee. Last piece of housekeeping. Cornerstone Manufacturing. Joel, go listen to him on uh, Cancel This Podcast, our triumphant return to podcasting <laughs> after our cancellation. Uh, he's going to be giving away his Kydex DIY chopper seat. So, um, he, he got them in, he made them, and they sold out immediately. And he hit me up and he goes, dude, I can't sell, I can't send you one yet because they just sold out immediately. So uh, hot commodity. We're going to get some uh, as soon as he gets them back in. And uh, we'll show you what it looks like. But go over to Cornerstone Manufacturing uh, at cornerstone.mfg on Instagram. Give him a follow. Check him out. Uh, he's doing all sorts of cool stuff, like really innovative stuff. Hey, he's you should tell him to... Make a video of him like forming it, installing that thing. Yeah, and yeah. like forming it, and we can throw it on our YouTube thing so people know. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. Yeah. All right. Um, that's all I have for housekeeping. I think. All right, let's jump into this motherfucking episode. I'm sick of housekeeping. I know, dude. Sorry, we had we have to Fuck do this get house. Out, get that <laughs> shit out of the way, and then we get into the fun stuff. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. All right, so I guess where do we want to start? Um, you're you're a bike guy, so let's start with. I mean, how'd you get into riding? How'd you get into bikes? I, I've always been around motorcycles um, when I was a little kid. Um, 
you know, the normal stuff you see him riding down the road. And I got raised in a pretty strict, no fun household. So if it was crazy or scary, then I was obviously attracted to it because it was, wasn't really something I was exposed to growing up. Um, we had some outlaw bikers around and I kind of, I kind of dug those guys, kind of, you know, how they were on the fringe. Um, I didn't start riding until uh, a buddy of mine got got a sport bike when uh, when um, we were in the military, and uh, he wrecked it all the time. And my house broke more than he rode it, so I tinker with it and go riding around. And uh, then my father-in-law, whenever he would come visit from Connecticut down to Fort Bragg, he would always ride his motorcycle, and um, he didn't have. Uh, hardly or anything he rode an old an old bmw so you know, it never failed him it always did the job for him and i think that he was probably more anti harley than anyone i've ever met in my life but uh <laughs> yeah he just it's funny it's a little ironic because he talked about how you know you always got to work on them they're loud blah 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 and we worked on his bike a lot it never left him stranded but uh we did a lot of maintenance on that bike, but you know, back then I wasn't, I wasn't really mature enough to have a motorcycle. I was just, I was stupid. I did all kinds of stupid crap. And, um, you know, it's one thing to jump out of airplanes for a living, you know, but I was driving way too fast. I'd get on that bike and I'd ride too fast and I had a brand new wife and I was like, man, I got, I got to, I got to stick around. So, you know, years later, getting out of the military and whatnot, you know, I found myself in a spot where I could afford a motorcycle. Um, and I bought a BMW. Um, it's an old airhead. I just wanted to live up in Connecticut. Uh, so I started riding and kind of new, actually, comparatively, 08. You know, uh, so I took a pretty extensive hiatus from that. Uh, always worked on them for people, you know, had them in my yard, you know, worked on restored bikes for, for some people and just basic stuff. Um, but uh, I rode that old clapped out BMW for a year, put like 10,000 miles on it, rode it everywhere up to the top of Maine, all over, you know, rode the Kang and Mangus on this thing. And, um, I had a good time on it and then I realized that uh, it just wasn't me, you know. I mean, obviously it wasn't me, but so I took it all apart and uh, fixed the things that needed to be fixed on it and I got it put back together and, you know, did everything I could myself, you know, shopping the frame, clear powder coated it, um, had all the body work, soda blasted, uh, primed it and painted it on my uh, clothesline in my backyard. And um, put it all back together, put 200 miles on it, and decided to ride from Connecticut down to North Carolina to meet some family I never met. So on that on that trip, I met my uh, my birth family, and then that's when I realized that the uh, motorcycle gene was uh, it was that it was that nature over nurture thing. So everybody on my dad's side of the family rides or rode, and uh, they're also crazy shit, so I had that going for me as well. Um, 
but fast forward a bunch of years later, you know, and I've, I've been riding ever since. Um, had a bunch of bikes, got a bunch of bikes now. I've got more bikes now than I've ever had. And uh, five of them are BMWs. Um, got an old Italian motorcycle, got an old Moto Guzzi, and uh, an XS650. And um, yeah, then my, you know, my dad's ultra classic right here. So he passed away while I was on my ride in 2022 from suicide. And uh, thankfully, I was able to sa- I was able to save that bike. There's no time where that thing would be gone if I hadn't had to, had to take it, taken it, you know, and brought it home. So, um, yeah, it turned into more of a job for me for riding. Um, you know, those guys, you know, that I came up riding with, like my, my father-in-law and everything, we'd take off at six in the morning and go for breakfast and we'd put 300 miles on before we stopped to have something to eat. You know, and we'd be, you know, top of Vermont, you know, and then we'd come home at 10 o'clock at night, you know, we'd just ride all day. So doing all the miles and everything uh, with that whole BMW crowd, that was uh, where I got. I got pretty into doing the distance stuff um, and it kept doing the distance riding on a motorcycle kept me out of, out of bar hopping, you know, um, that's a big thing as you know, everybody knows. Um, but that's not, a, that was a smart thing for me. So um, riding all the distance and whatnot, that was uh, something that uh, kind of kept me, kept me safe. And then my wife, she didn't really think too much about where I was at as long as I was with you know, her dad and all his friends. And she never really knew how crazy they really were because they kind of censored themselves a little bit around around her. But, um, yeah, that's how I got started. Wow. So you said you met your birth family. Is that, I guess, how did you grow up? You, how old were you when you finally met them? So um, you're going to get deep on it, man. Um, I'm gonna go deep on you. Okay. Um, so I knew from the moment I was like, I could, um, I could understand anything that I was adopted. Um, and, you know, being, being born in the, you know, the mid seventies, you know, they, they told families to kind of coach the kids, you know, as they're growing up a certain way, it's not, it's changed several times, but, you know, I was always told that, you know, Hey, you know, your birth family, they cared about you, but they couldn't take care of you, so they gave you to us. Um, so I was raised in a pretty straight-laced household, and um, I knew early on that I didn't fit in, you know, in any of that shit. Um, I'm just, you know, I don't listen to fucking gospel music. I do dig old country, um, but, you know, I dressed. I didn't dress the way they wanted me to. I didn't have a haircut the way they wanted me to. You know, I fucking rode skateboards and BMX bikes and listened to Iron Maiden, you know. And uh, so as I uh, as I got older, you know, that divide, you know, kind of spread between my adopted family and, and me. And I just found myself doing my own thing more and more and more. Um, and then, uh, you know, I just, after I got out of high school, man, I had no... I had no no rudder. I was just kind of floundering, so I decided to go in the military. Um, so I do that, you know, get married and all that jazz, and I have a daughter, and I needed to 
I had a friend of mine, um, and his had some weird genetic crap in his family that attacked, affected all the women. And uh, he was a carrier for it. Found out through like this genetic testing, and he's like, "Man, you need to figure that shit out for your daughter." So I was like, "Well, yeah," because everything I had to fill out for her, you know, family medical history shit was like on the dad's side. It's not applicable because I didn't fucking know. I didn't know anything. And uh, it just so happened that you know they ended up passing this this law where or a house bill in North Carolina where you could go back to the adoption agency and they could act as like an intermediary. So I filled in all that stuff. Um, and then, uh, it was a long wait, you know, it was a, I did that in, I did that in like 2008, actually. And in 2011, I finally met him. Oh, wow. Um, that is a long wait. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they didn't have a hard time really finding. They found her. Um, she was seventeen when she had me, and um, you know, my birth father. Like, they weren't together, so that shit was you know like documented. And so, what you do is you pay some money, and it's not a whole lot of money, but um, that enables them to like send you what they knew up to nineteen seventy five when I was born, and then when your number comes up, then they assign and investigate. Mm-hmm. So I yeah so I um I waited you know letters were exchanged you know and it was like a really kind of a mind fuck man when you think that there's like a whole other family out there and yeah like you think about growing up and you're like you sensationalize that shit and you're like oh man they might might be millionaires you know like my days are like scraping change together out of my ashtray to go buy a pack of smokes those are over. Um, yeah, so you but, were like in the year 30s at this point in 2008, yeah, yeah. I met them in 2011, and uh, yeah, I was in my, I was in my mid 30s, so wow. Um, yeah, so I fixed that bike and uh, got it all put back together. And everybody told me I was crazy taking off by myself on a bike that wasn't really proven. I just didn't give a shit, I was gonna fucking ride it anyway, and um. Yeah, so I just bombed down the interstate, you know, just not knowing what the fuck I was going to roll up into. And I also sketched about it, like, you know, I'd exchange phone, you know, letters and then phone calls. Like, even my birth father, when I finally met that dude, it was like five minutes we're finishing each other's sentences. And it sounded like I was listening to myself on the other end of the phone. It was wild. And, uh, yeah, the first night, you know, I, I was like super paranoid about where to leave this bike, man. I ended up in like Northern Virginia. And it was like a bunch of fucking frat kids like partying at this motel and a bunch of truck drivers and contractors. And I was tired of shit, man. It was August. I was like fucking beat. And I rolled up and there's like the, the night shift guy at the motel. He's like, man, I got one room. It's a handicap room. And I was like, all right, man, I'll take it. Dude, they had the apron cut out for a wheelchair and the the thing was wide. I just pulled my fucking bike right in the damn hotel room with me. Oh, yeah, man. And, uh, yeah. And then I took off the next day, man, and I uh, ended up beating them. And it was nuts, man. It was nuts because, you know, they got each one of them had their own families after me. You know, they waited. So my next, my next oldest sibling, I'm old enough to be their father. Oh, you wow. Know? Like, yeah, I was graduating high school when they were born. And, um, 
so when I met him finally, like I don't have any history with these folks. I don't have any like background. It's just I sound like their father and I'm more like their dad than them, even though they were raised around him. Like mm. it's wild. Never meeting that cat, man. I mean, we even had the same fucking tattoos, man. No shit. No shit, man. Spider webs on our arms and some other stuff, man. Just just some little shit here and there, man. It was just it was weird. It was wild. It was, it was badass, man. It was like I was standing in front of this man. I was like looking in the mirror. Yeah, it was crazy. Dude, that's that's weird because like after I had kids and shit, like it really unlocks the uh that nurture versus nature thing. Cause it's like, dude, you're pretty much who you are when you're born, you know, like my daughter is the same fucking person she was when she was born as she is now. You know what I mean? Like the way they laugh, the way their mannerisms are, it's all just like packaged up. And I'm like, I, I used to think that parents had way more influence on their kids. You know what I mean? Like how they turn out, but it's like, it's kind of like, no, they're their own thing, you know, from day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, why my I'm daughter, she though. tried to kind of, yeah, she tried to, my daughter, my older, she tried to kind of revolt from who she was, you know, back in her tween age years. And, you know, she's like, I'm never getting tattoos. You know, I don't like listening to, you know, I like listening to this like emo crap and I like, you know, this whatever. <laughs> and, you know, that shit, like it came, it came around, man. Like it really did. And now she's like, cool ass like 19 year old girl that's like full on me and my wife man she is just her own she is who she is and she don't apologize for nothing and i growing up the way i did in such a counter you know to the if i'd been raised by my birth family i mean i wouldn't have like brothers and sisters probably because i would have been such a handful that were like fuck that shit i'm not i'm not having any more kids but um nah they i probably would have been in prison man oh yeah there was they were just they were just that you know my father's just that wide open and him being that age 18 years old when i was born man he yeah he didn't have nah Nope. And, you know, my mom, my birth mother, the same way. I mean, she was a free spirited kind of hippie shit, you know, and did her own thing. Um, she actually went into exile to have me. Like, she fled. Like, she ran away and had me and came home and then couldn't stand, like, being the fact that I was gone and she took off again. So it's been like a, it's been a roller coaster, man. It's definitely a mixed bag, but. Out of all these kids that they ended up having, like I'm the only one that rides a motorcycle. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what you were saying before about like good thing, like you didn't have a motorcycle when you were younger. I'm the same way, dude. I'd a hundred percent be dead. If I was one of those dudes that like grew up around bikes and I was 16, I'd definitely hundred percent be dead by now. You know, driving drunk or do some stupid shit. That's what I thought. Jump. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm. I I saw a bunch of bad shit when I was in the military. You know, guys, we get off a of deployment, we come back, and they hop on their CBRs or whatever, and they you know rev bomb the shit out of them and like ride a wheelie down the road, and then they don't show up for formation the next morning. It's like, well, this dude fucking died last night because he had 
hadn't been on a bike in six months and you know he decided to go be go be a dumbass go downtown and have a couple beers and go hit all the straight roads wrap himself up around a tree and i couldn't do that to, to my wife you know so so how old were you i guess when you enlisted or when you joined like what was uh and what branch did you join? I think you said uh, Air Force. No, I was in the Army. Oh, so I got out. Of, out of I got out. Yeah, I was just jumping okay. out of them. Yeah, um, yeah, I joined in '94, and I got out at the end in '97. You know, I was like a E4 Mafia guy. I just, you know, I was up for five, my E5, and just shit just didn't work out, man. It was a whole different ballgame back then, and um. I uh yeah. I took the I took my vow that I made to my wife over the vow that I made to my country because they kind of shit on me and I wasn't gonna make my wife suffer anymore with me not being there. And back then there were so many guys dying even in training and we were going off on these stupid little deployments to God knows where, you know, and and I spent I was with her for like two and a half years when we were in, and I may total have had six months with her. Um, and this is during peacetime, man. And um, if we went 82 days without somebody dying, we got a day off. We hit that twice. Yeah. yeah we hit that twice one summer. It was awesome, man. But then, like, after that, it never got over like two weeks the whole rest of the time I was in. It was nuts. But, you know, you don't talk about that stuff now because it's like the Army, the military itself has evolved, you know, and changed so much since then. You know, it was, you know, you could you could be a loose cannon like I was back then. You know, you could do dumb, still do dumb shit and still keep your job. You could do dumb shit and still be in the military. Cause they were, they were going to, they were going to fix you one way or the other. You know, they were. Mm-hmm. They were the like the island of the misfit toys, you know. <laughs> now they want it. Now they want it completely different. No shit. So uh, let's get into uh, Operation Purpose. What is what is Operation Purpose? How did it get started? Uh, what there's there's also a, a riding aspect to this too. Ride for light, right? Um, yeah, just right. give us the whole the whole deal. Let's uh, let's start from the beginning. How did this start? Well, Ride for Light was the first thing, um, but to kind of put it all into perspective is where we're at now. Operation Purpose is a uh, is a is a, a veterans. Uh, so there's like a national awareness, local action. Uh, we focus on buddy checks, and we're here to let let the veteran community know that there's somebody there that's got their back. You know that you know you don't have to go looking for us. We'll come looking for you. You know we're 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 out in the community. We're exposed. We're available. You know, and we're growing. Um, my number is getting bigger as far as the people that you know I do the buddy checks with, and the people that are you know helping us. You know, helping us out and extending a hand to those that are that feel isolated or alone. That's one of the big things that happens when you get out of the military. You know, is you just lose everybody. You know, I was in a squad with guys from all over the place, and you know, 
leave, you leave. You know, you don't get to go back and see them. You know, all the time. You don't, you don't get to have that that bond anymore. So you, you know, you lose it, and you lose your you, you lose your tribe, you lose your body system. Um, so the yeah, so what's, uh, a, what's a what's a buddy check? It's just checking in, like a phone call. Is it like showing up, saying what's up, like? It's anything. It's anything. A buddy check's anything. Um, so I'll get to that in a second. So the buddy check, um, I'm sorry. Uh, in, in 2012, one of my best friends, this dude who goes to me like time and time again. I mean, sometimes for years. We lived in the same town for a while, and I'd pass him on the street, call him, and he wouldn't answer the phone, you know, and it came back around where he needed help. He had something going on and he called me. I answered the phone. Um, yeah, I was fucking pissed at him, but it wasn't the first time the guy had done it. I knew it wasn't going to be the last, but I knew he didn't have anybody else. So I might as well, you know, swallow my pride and at least hear him out. And uh, he'd almost died in the hospital. To that kid that I was telling you about a little while ago, this genetic stuff. And um, so I didn't I didn't shun him. I didn't make him feel ashamed for that, you know, like flying under the radar for so long. And um, but he ended up doing it again. He ended up, you know, we moved to Connecticut. He moved to Minnesota, and he just kept ghosting me. And I had a whole bunch of my own shit going on that, uh, you know, some similar problems. Um, but I got a phone call one day, and it was his daughter, who's my my goddaughter, and he died. Uh, she didn't know how he died. She's, you know, she was all you know, out in um, out Washington State, but she knew that uh, he was gone. And I, uh, I ended up getting in touch with his family and found out exactly what happened. Um, and then in the following days. Um, his father, uh, also a veteran, wanted me to come get some of his ashes and take them and spread them someplace uh, that meant something to Chris and I. There's only one place if you jump out of airplanes, it's really like the that's the place where everybody knows, and that's Sicily Drives on a Fort Bragg. Um, so I told him, Yeah, I'll do it. I'll be glad to do it. I'll be honored. And um, thanks for thinking of me. And uh, that was in 2012. And man, I fucking fell apart. I mean, in the with all my shit and that other thing on top of it, you know, over the next few years, my wife and I, we lost almost two dozen people in our family. And it was like every time I turned around, man, somebody was fucking dead for something. You know, it might be old people dying of old people shit. You know, it might be, you know, you know, a family member that got carbon monoxide poisoning working a job and died at work. You know, it's just weird shit. So it's just one thing on top of the other. And then my own personal stuff, you know, having screws loose was, uh, you know, I was on, on me. And um, so I just spent like the next few years kind of climbing myself out of my hole. And, you know, we had two more children, you know, and I'm just like focusing, keeping my head down, trying to put one foot in front of the other and just be 
be the dad they deserve, be the husband they deserved. And I wasn't really succeeding at any of it. I was a functioning fucking alcoholic. And I had so, so angry all the time, just pissed off. And I had to find something that meant something to me, something that I could do outside of going and working a regular job. So in uh, 2021, I kind of grabbed my nuts and I was like, you know, I'm going to take off on my bike and I'm going to just get the fuck out of Dodge for a little bit. And uh, see if I can clear my head, see if I can do this thing. And then this ride was on the, it was like off in the distance, um, something that I knew if I could make it on this little trip I was going to do, I could make this big trip. So it's kind of lit, it was a litmus test to see if I had the 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 fortitude to make it make the big trip happen. Um, so I did like twenty five hundred miles in a couple weeks, you know, and I. I stayed in you know, North Carolina and Virginia and Maryland and, you know, all that way around that area, just kind of going in. I was doing a little buddy jacks on some guys that I hadn't talked to in a while because something I didn't mention is after I lost Chris, if somebody popped in my head. I was calm. I wasn't going to let, I wasn't going to let that shit slide anymore. Cause I felt like, you know, if I'd have called him, he might've answered, you know, and then he might've been here another day, you know, another week. And then that other day, that other week, might have given something, some fuel in his tank, so he could like go see the next day, the next week. That's all I've been doing, man. I just found something in front of me to kind of keep, keep me marching on, you know. And um, that's all I'd ever wanted for that guy, man. And um, so I never, I would never let like the sun set on my thoughts about somebody where I wouldn't go out and reach out for him because you never know, it might be the last day. So I was checking on people on the trip and uh, I uh, I made it back and you know my wife was like, So how you feel? I was like, I think I can do the thing I can do a different another ride. And she's like, What do you want to do? I was like, I'm gonna go get Chris. So um that was where Ride for Life really started, was me going to Minnesota to get his ashes. And Riding from North Carolina to Minnesota is like, I don't know, man. I don't know if you've looked at a map. I mean, you suck at geography, Rhino, but it kind of sucks. Like, they ain't shit. Like, it, it's it's not awesome. Like, there's some cool stuff, and then it's just nothing. I mean, it's like Indiana, you know? It's like, who cares, right? Ohio, whatever. And so, like, you know, I need to reach out to some cats, and, like, maybe I can make it a thing. So I had a friend of mine. I'm in Oklahoma, and he'd been, you know, having some stuff going on, you know, family things, and, you know, he'd kind of been reaching out a little bit on social media, and he and I had always been um, close, even if we hadn't spoken, you know, it's like we'd, we'd always pick back up where we left off, and um, I hit him up, he's in, he's in Tulsa, so I'm like, well, shit, if I'm going to Tulsa, let's see where else I can go, so I just kept reaching out to folks, and I had a buddy of mine that was, uh, um, out in the Tascadero, California, which is, um, you know, it's on the West Coast. It's uh, not too far from the ocean. Um, so I hit him up. This dude's crazy shit. Um, so I was like, hey, man, you know, I'm going to be I'm putting this ride together. You know, I want to, uh, you know, come out and see you. And I was talking to him, you know, about, about everything. And he's like, well, I need you to do me a favor. I was like, yeah, what's that? He's like, I need you to take my brother with you. 
So, man, I hadn't seen this fool in 20 years. Talked to him, you know, just a few times, you know, um, social media stuff. You know, you lose people. I think I found him on MySpace, right? And uh, so I, uh, I know what to say, you know, like his brother died from a, an aggressive cancer that just really it affects the men in his family and uh lost he lost him and um so I, he ain't gonna say no to that you know that's that's one of your brothers asking you to do something so noble you know you, you just can't so then i had i made it to the west coast so i just kind of kept peace in my way around and by it just all happened and I had a route, you know, and I started reaching out to everybody. And um, then the, the, all the points started connecting with one another. And um, I knew that I had to, uh, I had to do this thing and it was just, it was there. So that's when um, somebody had the bright idea to start a nonprofit because that shit wasn't my idea. I'm just like, let's just go do it. You know, I'm not a, I'm not an organizer. I'm not a planner, you know, yeah. um, even when I ride, man, like I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm like, well, you know, if I feel like riding 300 miles, I'll ride 300. If I want to ride a thousand, I'll ride a thousand. If I feel like stopping, I'm going to stop. I'm not on anybody's timeline. That's not why I ride a motorcycle. I ride a motorcycle for me. And, uh, so they're like, you need to start, start a nonprofit. Like, All right, cool. So get the word out. So I, I started that, you know, with the with the focus on people like me that didn't fit into, you know, the special operations uh, classification of uh, uh, veterans. You know, there's a lot of, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in coastal North Carolina. You know, you've got Camelot Junes right at the road. So there's all kinds of Marsoc and Raider guys down here. There's SEAL guys down here. There's Special Forces guys down here. There's all those. But, you know, the guys that just went in and did their job and got out and were forever changed and still don't fit in with anybody, you know, they're unaccounted for. So that's been my platform, like, this whole time, you know, is reaching out to those, you know, doing those buddy checks and finding those that are a little bit uh, on the fringe and bringing those guys back in and letting them know that there's somebody out there who cares about them. So while I was on that ride, um, we're completely grassroots um, funded, you know, very, very local um, for that first ride. And uh, I talked to, I estimated around 400 people when I was on the ride and I didn't stop and talk to everybody in like individual spots. I mean, it, was, it could have been like a gas station thing. You know, I stopped to see somebody, anybody that had any kind of veteran stuff on their vehicles or wearing a, you know, some, something military uh, wise on their, on their shirt, on their clothing, uh, hats, um, you name it, I did it. Um, Met up in the road with uh with an MC while I was out on the while I was out on the road. Um, all those guys, they're all veterans. Um, met some really awesome guys, with some really intense stories from those those guys. And so every this thing was for me, just like it was for everybody else. And everything that I every encounter that I had on the road, you know, I didn't have any bad encounters. Um, 
you know, the motorcycle community by and large, you know, unless you're dealing with, you know, certain groups, you know, they're pretty welcoming. You know, they're, they're, while they might not let y'all into their house, they'll talk to you, you know, and you, and you can, you can just, once you, once you talk to them for a couple of minutes, then, you know, the, the guard goes down and then you end up, you end up getting somewhere with them. Um, but it, it didn't matter. Man. It could be in like this old Korean war veteran I ran into outside of Albuquerque. Man. And I told that dude for like an hour and a half. And he told me, he's like, man, you're the only guy that's going to speak to me today. The only person I want to talk to. There's something wrong with that. I mean, when you're that isolated, you know, some people do it by design. You know, some people, it's just they know that no one can relate to them or that no one wants to hear their shit. So they quit talking to anybody. So I'm here to let you know that I'm here to hear your shit. And sometimes I might tell you my shit. But we got to stick, you know, we got to stick together within the veteran community. We got to, you know, support each other. We got to do what a lot of these smaller groups do. We have to do if we don't fit in. Like we're all a bunch of, you know, a bunch of oddities, you know, that got a got our shit going on. And um, I'm fortunate enough in this area to have, you know, some people that I can count on, you know, and not everybody has that, you know. And um, so that's where operation purpose comes in. It's to let everybody know that there's somebody there for them. And the Wilmington area, the reason why I focus on this is you can call 988. You can call these numbers all you want and talk to somebody on a switchboard. Nobody's coming. Nobody's fucking coming to help you unless they call an ambulance for you and they're going to bring it somewhere and then they're going to take away all you know they're going to take away your decision making process so um and in wilmington we're boots on the ground you know and we're creating a network down here where you know wilmington's not that big but it takes a while to get get around if i know somebody near rhino's house and rhino, and rhino calls me then i have somebody there in 10 or 15 minutes to help you out because when it gets to the it gets to the last phase of you, you wanting to be here, especially on a veteran standpoint, you feel like you failed your family, you feel like you failed everybody in your life, you feel like you you know you you're just you're on borrowed time with the, the last three people that actually give a fuck about you, then you're not gonna you're not gonna lose that mission, you're not gonna fail. If you decide you're going to check out, you're going to check out and you're not necessarily going to let everybody in on your plan. But if you can reach out to one person in your area, say, hey, man, I'm, I'm really hurting right now. Well, I want us to I want us to be the people that can come help you because the people that are with us that are helping me with this, they know firsthand my struggles. You know, that I've sat outside many a night contemplating doing that very thing, you know, that I've been that close to it time and time again, you know, or they've had their own personal stuff. But the one thing that the Ride for Light did to open my eyes to, you know, it just being a problem in general, not a veteran problem, because I don't segregate anymore. Um, I kind of had this thing in my mind like it was going to be a veteran deal veterans first responders um but you know i 
last time I talked to my dad, you know, I was pulling into, you know, my buddy's parents' driveway, you know, to get his ashes. I spent the next several days talking to them and letting them know who their son was. They really didn't even know him. And they were filling me in on some stuff about him that I didn't know. So we were both, both me and his parents were learning about um, their son and each other. And um, so I tried to call my dad a few times while I was up there, you know, wherever I could get cell phone reception because we were out in the middle of nowhere in Minnesota. And I could never get a hold of him. So I told my, um, I told my daughter, my middle child, that I would be home for her birthday. And I had completely lied to her, you know, and got, a, but I got, a you know, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to make it. Um, cause I, I just knew the time frame wasn't going to work out, but I got a plane ticket home. So I got home and I'm standing in my living room. I've been home a day. Um, the night before my daughter's, uh, birthday, 10th birthday. And I get a phone, a frantic phone call with a bunch of screaming in the background and my dad is fucking killed himself. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? And, you know, this dude spent all this time telling me how proud he was of me and I thought that was bad what I was doing and it didn't, it didn't stop him from doing what he had to do. And uh, playing it all back, you know, figuring out what exactly happened. He'd spent the last few days of his life actually squaring shit up with people. And no one ever thought that he would do it. So they didn't think anything of it, you know. So I've, you know, I've just been trying to encourage people to just talk, you know, because those guys especially, you know, were, you know, supposed to be all fucking macho and shit. And I'm not saying, you know, that we need to, you know, put cry closets, you know, in every, in, you know, in everybody's house. But, you know, when you got a, when you've got the ability to use your own voice and advocate for yourself when you're not doing well, you don't have to call a trained professional, you know? I mean, the three of us, are trained professionals in our own lives, even if all we have is a string of failures that we, we can hold ourselves to. But we know each other's strife, we know each other's struggles, because chances are we go down, we start talking, we got the same kind of shit. We got the same kind of problems and we can all relate. And you know, I uh I'm just trying to foster that sense of community and love and brotherhood, man. Because every dude I run into, man, I have five minutes worth of conversation with them. I ain't going to leave them. If they need me, I'm not going to leave them. Because I know what it's like to be let. And I ain't going to do that shit to nobody. Because it's tough being alone. So we got to stick together. You know? And we got to we gotta do it. We got to do it for each other. You know? We got to we gotta stick around, man. We got to be able to... uh laugh at each other and you know cry with each other at the end of the day you know that's what it takes you know let it let your let your friends know you're there for them let your friends know you care about them and uh the buddy check when i send those out all i, I ask 
Simple thing, man. Just reach out to five other people, man. And let them know you're thinking about them. Scroll all the way down to your bottom of your text messages, man. I was like, shit, I ain't talked to that motherfucker in a while. Just hit them up. Just hit them up. And if somebody pops in your head, it's for a reason. Reach out. And I have, I don't know what it is, man. I'm a pretty dense motherfucker, man. But when my spidey sense starts fucking tingling, there's a reason for that shit. And I reach right. out to people. And I'm I'm never more happy when I hear, oh, man, cool, I'm doing great, you know? Because then that means, like, maybe I'm just hallucinating or whatever or just, you know, being overcautious. But most of the time, man, it's like, dude, I, I do know I need to hear from somebody. I just, I just do, man. And uh, so that's kind of it in a nutshell, man. Um, but for the ride, we're doing it again. Yeah, we're leaving May 18th, man. We're, uh, we're heading out the door again. And uh, I'm taking my original battle buddy. Um, he and I played high school football together. We joined the Army within a couple of days of each other. I had some shit coming down the pike, so I ended up changing my leave date to leave with him. We had the same job. Um, Hell, that was back before the internet, so we had to actually go to the library and figure out like what job you wanted to do. And <laughs> I picked the job. I picked the job that was like, all right, I want to go do this crazy shit, and like, it needs to be like as high risk as I can make it. Because you couldn't just like sign up for EOD or any of that shit straight out of boot camp. So I was like, I want to go do something crazy. So it's like call for artillery and being out in front of everybody. That's what I wanted. So, like, we did the same thing. So, boot camp, I was, like, less than an arm's length away from this dude for months. Went to school together. We ended up at Fort Bragg together. And, um, yeah, the one of the last times I actually saw him was the night my oldest was born. And he ended up, like, for six years in the Navy after he got out of the Army. And, you know, the dude's just been, you know, on his own head having all stuff going on and he and I reconnected this past summer and he's like man if I'd have known you were going I'd have gone with you I was like well shit I'm gonna go again next year he's like well I'm going I was like cool and he's like me he's really impulsive I'm sure you two can relate like when you want to do something you want to do it fucking now like I don't want to wait I'm gonna do it now and uh that's gotten me in trouble a lot because I don't ever ask for permission. I just, like, I just go do it. And, like, my wife will tell you, man. Like, I, I make her nervous as hell. Because I just go do shit. And, uh, like, buying motorcycles. I just fucking go do it. I'm like, uh, we'll, we'll, we can eat ramen. It's fine. And uh, so he's like, well, what are, what are we, where are we going to go? I was like, well, we're going to go all over the country, man. He's like, well, I want to leave. I want to go do a ride. I got to get one cross-country ride in on this bike. I was like, all right, well, when do you want to leave? He's like, I want to leave next week. I was like, bro, I'm, I'm not doing that. Like, I can't do it. He says, well, I got to get a cross-country ride on, on this bike because I haven't. I was like, have you ridden cross-country? He's like, well, no. I was like, why does it fucking matter if it's on this bike or not? He's like, well, I just want to. He's like, all right, cool, I get it. Said, but I'm not leaving next week. If you're going, you're going by yourself. So... He ended up trading a CBO street glider on Pan America so we can leave the pavement this year. 
Oh, fuck yeah. I saw a picture that I saw a picture that street glide. That was that was a bad bike. But uh yeah, so he got a he got a freaking uh he bought a Pan America and you know, then there's that whole aspect of this shit, like um and and uh this happened um this all happened within like three weeks after I got back from uh New Hampshire last summer after the uh lowdown. Like I, I saw you guys. And um it, all that crap happened so fast because I was like that was a rowdy ass, like that was an awesome time. Like I know you did housekeeping, but for everybody that's listening, it might be listening because of me. I'm telling you, if you can make it up there, I honestly, I was up at Laconia and I had a better time with y'all's deal than I did up at Laconia. Because I was surrounded by my people. I was surrounded by my people. And all those choppers rolling in and the piss-ass rain, I mean, it was fucking coming down, man. And all everybody just rolling in steady. I was like, that's what's up, man. That's family right there. You know, y'all's family. It's huge. And, um, New Hampshire is like my home away from home. I got a lot of people up there. and I love it. Um, but it all happened within a couple of weeks of me leaving New Hampshire. And I'm like rolling back. I'm just like, hi, man. Because I got to see all my people up there, you know, and meet some new ones and, and hang out with everybody. And took my time coming home. And um, I didn't get to go to the hill climb. The left the weather and shit but um maybe next year all right I'll, I'll be at the hill, hill climb but um anyway so you know i'm like man i gotta ride with this guy like he went and bought a new bike you know like thinking like we're just gonna be like peas and carrots and shit and like i don't i don't i ain't road with this guy like he might just be some kind of like might just ride like an asshole you know which i'm not all about that so we took off and went up to West Virginia to this, like, to a rally. And, uh, man, that was crazy. You ever rode with somebody and it's like you never rode with them before, but it's like you've been riding with them your whole life? That's exactly like it was with him, man. I mean, I mean, blocking for me, anticipating, like, me passing cars and shit. And, you know, I mean, everything, you know, the whole nine. And it was awesome. So, you know, he's, he's got an adventure bike now. Um, so we, we had reached out to Harley Davidson and BMW cause that's what I ride. Um, as far as an adventure bike and we had tried to sort out like how we were going to maybe get some, get some bikes. Cause I got a filmmaker going with me and we're filming a documentary while we're at it. And, uh, okay. he's a Navy veteran. Yeah, man. So, Actually, uh, he's like, yeah, I want to go ride with you. Uh, we're in the we're in the Legion together, and uh, I was like, well, you got to get a bike, man, because it's like we're riding adventure bikes, and you're not going to be leaving the pavement on a on a low ride. And uh, so he's like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I actually, had a guy that uh, I told about what I had going on, and he gave me two motorcycles. Yeah. He gave me a bike. Yeah, bro. He gave me a bike like mine, a couple years older, but and don't tell my old girl I said it, but she's in much better. This one's in much better shape than my bike. And um, yeah, and he gave me a tour, you know, it's like a touring bike. So I'm gonna auction the touring bike off. I got a couple of little maintenance items to do on it. 
but uh, I'm going to auction it off and it's going to go help towards the ride. Probably, you know, throw $100 raffle tickets out there. Um, this is 2009 R1200 RT BMW. This thing is like a freaking Cadillac, man. Got all the power you need. And you don't feel, you don't feel anything. That, that fairing is like better than a road glide fairing. And um, so I got that going on. Um, and we're just trying to get like camera gear, but I was want to get Harley, you know, because American veterans on an American ride, you know, seeing America. Because my my belief is that every veteran should travel and see what they fought to preserve. Because you know it's different when you're flying in an airplane over clear skies, and you you can look down and see, you know, that patchwork quilt of you know the Midwest or. The, the Rocky Mountains, but when you ride through that stuff, especially on a damn motorcycle, man, it's just, it's just completely different. You know, mm. it just this that your lens opens up, man, and you're not in that cage, and you can just you, you smell the cow shit. You know, you you, yeah. you see everything. You know, your eyes are open, and it, you know, it took me a while to really embrace that experience as I was on my trip the first time, and. Mm. If nothing else out of this ride, man, it gets my gets my OG battle buddy and my filmmaker on the road and lets them experience what I experienced, you know, when I was not stuck in my own head, then I'll be it'll be a mission accomplished for me. Yeah, that's but, what the one one thing you said there is like uh I try to explain to people that don't ride, it's like it combines your love of the open road with your love of the outdoors, you know, like it puts them together because you're out in the open, you're out on the open road. It like it's synergized those two things. So it's like you like long road trips, you like being outside. It's like put those together, put, get on a motorcycle and you get both at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, as popular as motorcycling is, there's not a lot of people that actually take off and go do like really long rides or you know, they put themselves through the, the the grueling feats of some of these tasks, like what I put myself through or God, like, I mean, I think Chicken Rick should get, a, get an award for all the crazy mess that guy does, you know. Um, but and then you realize how small the community really, really is, you know, and how we are really, you know, we're bonded on two wheels, too, you know, and. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic place that we live in, you know, and everybody should just get out and ride, you know. I mean, I, that's that's where I'm at, you know. So right now we're funding for this trip, you know, we're funding for the documentary side of things. Um, we'll be interviewing some folks on the road. Um, and yeah, we're picking up more ashes uh, this year. Um, the first our first ashes like we're we're going down to south carolina first and then we're going up to louisville kentucky to spread ashes on uh churchill downs on the racetrack so for the yeah they're the ashes of a father the father of two of my really good friends that served and um he was a jockey so um we're gonna make that happen and uh I'm gonna, we're just going, you know, I've got a bunch of spots plotted on the map and it's kind of coming together now, you know, uh, more people reach out that they want, you know, somebody to come see them or, you know, somebody hits me up and say, hey man, why don't you go check on this cat? You know, I got a buddy of mine that was, uh, 
he retired as a, a CEO of Brownsville Federal Penitentiary. You know, like this dude, like he got that job because he wanted to beat up people. And uh, now he's got a private security firm working in oil fields. So like, that's what, like, we're going to track that guy down, you know, he's one of my grunt buddies and go see him, you know. Um, and then, you know, no trips complete without coming home to New Hampshire. Yeah. yeah. I got to be there. Yeah. I got to be there, man. I got to be there. And uh, so, you know, I've got a lot of friends up there, a lot of people that, you know, I, you know, like that, you, you especially, you know, I mean, y'all are my family and uh, y'all are every bit of the reason why I do this stuff, just like, you know, my military brothers and sisters, you know, it's, but New Hampshire's a good spot, man. That's, that's, that's my, that's my home away from home. Really Live for die, it. baby. Yeah, man. Yeah, I really, I really, uh, I can't, I can't wait to, I can't wait to, to get back out on the road and, you know, and, and then show my, my buddies, you know, that are riding with me, you know, they hear me talking about it and they don't understand why, you know, and it's like, you just got to be there, man. Yeah. Got to be there. Just the whole chopper community, you know, that, um, you know, I'm, I'm tied in with some other people up there, you know, in Manchester and I just. I just love it. Just love it. Yeah. You know, I'm inst almost instant friends, man. And, you know, it's funny being from down south, man. You think that, like, you're, you're brought up conditioned to believe that, like, Yankees are all stuck up assholes and shit. And that's completely unfucking true. Um, but me being a stuck up asshole, you know, I did find all the stuck up assholes in New England. I actually got along with them really, really well because they ain't got time for bullshit. But, uh, you know, there's more people up there that are willing to, you know, go out of their way to help you, you know, and right. look at, you know, look after you and, you know, make sure that everything's okay, hospitable. And just the sense of patriotism, you know, in New England is crazy. And it's completely counter, and I'm not trying to get all political, but it's completely counter to the government that's established, you know, and, and, and the, the powers that be, you know. I just love being up there during Fourth of July, Memorial Day, you know, and um, it's just, it's just great. It makes me feel. It makes me feel good to, you know, done what I've done and you know, help uh, help secure, you know, maintain this country's freedoms. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, New Hampshire is uh, you know, the freest state in the nation. <laughs> no sales tax. It's my <laughs> property tax. But those free staters, they all come here because we don't have seatbelt laws, helmet laws, all that shit. I love it. I love right. the freedom. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But uh yeah that's so that's so such a great mission that you have you know and it's so it's so important because it's like you're talking about you know reaching out to someone that you can relate to and it's like dude i would never set up a therapy fucking you know like i would never call a therapist and sit down with some some dude wearing a bow tie and like tell me about your thoughts and shit like it's so important because it's like yeah you want to talk to someone that you can relate to some other you know person that's been through the same fucking hardships and felt the same things and lives the same kind of life as you, you know, and it doesn't cost yeah. $500 an hour, whatever those perks get, you know, fucking build. So, uh, yeah. It, and I'll, I'll just say too, it's like, you know, definitely, uh, what you're doing is like so important, but, 
uh, if anybody needs to talk to someone, you know, like that's what's so important about this show to me is just like if there's a low life out there and you need to talk to someone, you know, reach out to Perry, reach out to me or Loctite. Like we don't want to lose you, you know, like we do care about that. Um, but yeah, it's just th- I really appreciate you sharing all the, you know, definitely like personal details about your life and uh you know the backstory behind operation purpose i just think it's such a such a great organization and uh such a a noble mission statement you know um yeah just just blows me away and especially coming from you know a long lineage of scumbags and shit it's like dude nobody's alive anymore you know like all my friends from high school they're all all of them are dead you know, they're dead from pills or suicide or something. And it's so fucking sad. And it's like, it never ends. You know, I'm, I'm in, you know, you're in your thirties or forties and you still have people, you know, you read about them, their obituaries. And it's like, so that's, that's so important to just like reach out, you know, just like, Hey, I remember you and I care about you. Cause especially with, with met, uh, you know, young men and shit, like you were talking about, like the tough guy bullshit, you know, you internalize all of that. I don't talk to anybody about anything, you know, that I'm going through. And uh, that's really important to have friends that you can talk to or someone that wants to talk to you about you, you know, in this day and age too, it's like everybody just wants to talk about them themselves, you know, what they're doing and blah, blah, blah. And nobody's like interested in their friends anymore, you know, but. No, and it's a lot of instant gratification shit, you know, especially with the social yeah. media stuff, you know, I mean, in, Honestly, you know, look at it. We're 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 on a social media kind of platform right now talking about this mm-hmm. stuff. But you know, there there there's substance with the mission that you know, and the and the community that you are fostering. You know, and, and really, the the chapel community is is a is is a great example of what like minded individuals can do when they support one another. You know what I mean? And you guys can have coming to Jesus meetings, you know, trying to rebuild a, you know, a transmission, you know, on an old shovel head or whatever, you know, and you can just get, get together and shoot the shit and, and, and do all those things just like I can, you know, having, having coffee with, with my guys on Sundays, you know, and us just talking about our week, you know, um, you know, we, we like to, we like to stay in our lane and go with what we know. And, you know, that's what I really enjoy about going out and doing what I'm doing is that I'll go talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. And people see, people see me dressed up like a stormtrooper riding down the road on this freaking spaceship, you know, and they think I don't have any, uh, they think I don't, I don't, I don't have any concept of, uh, you know, what it, you know, what it's like to, you know, you know, ride a Harley or, you know, be involved in that community. But down here, like, you know, that's, those are the people that I get along with, you know, is, is all my, is all my, you know, all my vet buddies that, you know, they ride, you know, motorcycles just like me. And, um, it's cool because I'm a part of two different crowds, you know, and I'm a part of like the adventure rider guys, you know, and then, and then the dudes like, you know, like you guys, you know, get to hang out with on the weekends and we get to shoot the shit. And, mm-hmm. You know, I'm the guy drinking the freaking water while they're getting hammered. 
because I got to drive. I'm slowly on. becoming that guy, bro. I'm telling you, man, I have gotten so much more out of life because I was burning. I was burning bridges, son. I mean, yeah, I, I hear that. I'd roll over, bro. I'd roll over, man. And I'd like tap. I'd like like tap my wife. She's like, you don't remember anything from last night, do you? I was like, uh, no, not really. She's like. It need to be you're crazy or we're gonna have to have a talk later. Oh. And then it turned into <laughs> Yeah, then it turned into I'm not putting up with much more of your shit. So I was like, all right. So I yeah. should probably yeah, I should probably put the put the brakes on that. And um yeah, yeah I was hard in the paint, man, especially when I lived up in Connecticut, it's all cold and shit. You know, I was like Two and a half, three thirty racks a week, man. A couple of handles, and I was just, I was after. It. But uh, my liver, my liver thanks me. That's how yeah, it was. Sure. If anybody that's been listening to this show for a long time, um, and went to like some of the first deadbeats that we were at, that's how I was. Like we would get there Friday at five, and by seven, I was fucking wrecked, wrecked on all, not just alcohol, on literally everything. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, now I'm kind of just like the dude. I just like kind of back in the cut a little bit. I'll drink a couple beers here and there, but just observing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But you guys are, you know, you're doing stuff. So you know, like at the at the event, you know, that I was at in June, man. I mean, aside from the rain and the, that crazy wind that's flipping over the tents and shit, like y'all were on it, man. Y'all were like busy doing stuff and. Yeah. It's kind of hard to like drink and be in control at the same time, especially when you oh, got Rhino's a venue. A <laughs> Rhino's a master. <laughs> Are you now? I I actually need it to focus. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I just like yeah, drinking sure. a lot. <laughs> yeah. a, I I started drinking. I had an alcoholic uh, uncle that moved in with us when I was like really young, so I I started drinking heavily when I was very young. And uh, back in those days, like we're, we're all of us are a little bit older. Um, we probably came up in the same like era ish, you know, and uh, back in those days, people were fucking mean, dude. So if you couldn't hold your alcohol, they would beat the shit out of you, you know, oh, yeah, be like fucking lightweight. Dude, it, you get punked hard. So you you'd be shit faced, barely able to stand. But you're like, I got to hold it together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get that cool. Yeah, I started drinking in middle school. I started taking oh, yeah. my- Parents just had a huge social liquor cabinet and they would entertain and they never drank. So I would just go, I'd make take screwdrivers to work or to school every morning. I think everybody started out with screwdrivers was the thing, you know, because it just tastes like orange Mm -hmm. juice and you drink the whole fucking thing. You know, you drink a whole bottle with your buddy, just two of you. And Mm -hmm. now that I'm older, I can believe like if I did that today, and you know I'm a well-weathered drinker, I would definitely get alcohol poisoning, which I did back <laughs> when I was fucking like twelve. You know? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. But yeah, so I'll I think I'll be up there probably around the end of July, beginning of August is when I'll be back around, unless something happens. But. Anybody that's interested, they can go to Operation Purpose on Instagram or Facebook or the website is operationpurpose.net. And they can kind of, 
I won't broadcast the, I won't be mapping out my route on the website. Um, I'll be doing it more like in these little videos and stuff. And I keep looking at, over there's my map. So, um, but I'll be laying that route out. Um, and I've got some target dates that I have to hit. But like I was telling you guys earlier, I try to keep it like, like you do the podcast, you know, try to keep it organic, you know, and just kind of let it flow. Um, and with, you know, myself and the other, you know, two parties that are riding with me, you know, we're picking up guys that are going to ride with us along the way anyway, you know, and, um, and anybody's welcome to ride with us as long as they're not a knucklehead. Um, but I, uh, I just, um, I want to make sure that we leave enough time for these guys and for me, because I was on like a, I was on a mission the first time for them to enjoy it, you know? And uh, that was one of the things that I laid out for the first ride. It's like, you know, because I had a guy with me for a couple of days and um, uh, it was just, if we ride a hundred miles, that's fine. I'm not, it's, it's, it's me and the company that I keep, you know, that's what it's about central. And then, you know, when we get somewhere is when we get there. So I don't really ever schedule more than a couple of weeks out. So um, a buddy of mine was trying to get a whole bunch of dudes to ride in with me, you know, from like, we were going to kick, pick up on the Kangamangas and come into Manchester, you know, that way. And um, from like North Conway or whatever. And I, uh, I wasn't going to make it in time because I stopped and there's people I needed to see and there was people I needed to hang out with. And, you know, and honestly, I was a little fucked up, man, because I lost my dad. I just didn't, I wasn't trying to like stack miles on, man. It was all I could do to put that fucking helmet on some days. And uh, thank God, man, they had flat out Fridays in Milwaukee when I was up there because if I hadn't seen a couple of those cats that I knew from mini bike racing down here in North Carolina for the war run, man, I, I would, I wouldn't even fucking be here my damn self. But, uh, yeah. So Ryan Sirocco is like, and Jason Warnke were like two dudes that like, I just fucking had really good conversations with those dudes. And, uh, yeah, it was badass, man. It was a badass trip the first time. And if you've never been to Milwaukee, to go to the museum the motor company, man, you're missing out. So that shit's legit. It is crazy. And I was the only guy yeah, on there. there. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. It really was. But there's so many cool spots, man. That was one thing, you know, it's like you could stop somewhere and see the, the world's largest ball of twine. You know, I've <laughs> rolled through the smallest incorporated town in America. When I was on my trip, they got a population of one, and it's Damn. shit, man. She got a she got a big old like custodian key ring, and she runs that whole town, man. She's the postmaster, the mayor, the librarian, the bartender, all that shit. And, that sounds uh, fucking awesome yeah. to have your own town. Yeah, yeah, Manawi, Nebraska. Yeah, That's Manawi, cool. Nebraska. It's in the middle of nowhere, and uh, I rode through it. I was like. I think that town's around here and then i was like i think i saw that building on youtube and sure shit man i like run right past it turn around i had to turn around and go back but being on a solo trip is one thing man but it's so much cooler when you can experience it with somebody else 
you know, when you, when you, when, you know, you can fucking get some, some douchebag doing something stupid on the road and you can like pull up next to your buddy and like, man, you, you know, you feel a hand signal. You see that freaking moron over there? You almost got hit by an elk in September when we were coming back from uh, West Virginia. I mean, I've almost hit or been hit by all kinds of wildlife, but for my buddy to actually be right right behind me and see that fucking gargantuan four legged th- fucking thing jump across in front of me is like, you know, now it's like I got a witness. You know, yes, yeah, thing was massive. You know, yeah, ride ride with your friends, man. I mean, like, there's nothing like it on a motorcycle. Like, being like peg to peg, riding with your boys, and then you got a support system too, especially on these shitty ass choppers or whatever. It's like when you break down, everybody's broken down with you, you know. Like, and you get shit yeah, right. figured out quick, you know. I think the most the most important thing though is like what Perry was saying is do it on your time. Like, don't yeah. put a fucking deadline to it. Because, and I'll say this, man, I've ridden with a lot of fucking people, and they're like. We gotta make this point at this time. We need to get to this one at this time. I fucking hate that shit. Yeah, I'm a guy where like I want to ride with all my boys, and we ride these shitty choppers so we can only we're good for a hundred miles. Then we're gonna stop and get fuel. Yeah. Um, so every hundred miles, I like to stop. I like to get off the bike, shoot the shit, act like fucking idiots at the fucking gas station. You know what I mean? Um, and just fucking be ridiculous. Act like fucking children. Like, savor that ride yeah yeah like the that's the shit the i thing. like but it's like i just don't like when people make like a punctual thing like deadlines and this and that because that that really like you might as well take in a fucking car if you're trying to make time take a car yeah i feel the same way about the highway too but it's like i get it like on some shit like what you're doing you're trying to you get across country you gotta get on the fucking highway you're not gonna take back roads across the entire fucking country i mean you can you're still, gonna gonna be going through, yeah, you're still going to be going. You're still going to be driving on a highway through cornfields. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But like, I uh, like yeah, I'm ride, man. I'm not trying to hop on the highway because you're not seeing shit. Uh, you're buzzing nah, at eighty, I, just fucking. Yeah. And like you said, you can't be talking shit to your friends at the stoplight and fucking. That's my thing. When I get on the bike, I don't have to be. And it sounds fucking weird, but like when I get on the bike, I don't have to be a dad anymore. I don't have to be a husband anymore. I don't have to be the guy at fucking work anymore. When I'm on the bike, I can yeah. be the immature little fucking shithead that I am inside. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bumping <laughs> each other's up. tires and fucking with each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, you, you're just throwing back and riding around the neighborhood on your BMX bike with your kid, with your yeah, buddy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's Huffy vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. All about the Huffy vibes. <laughs> we gotta, we got to make that a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> The only bike uh, I ever rode <laughs> growing up. <laughs> um, all right, so how do people get involved in this? Uh, one, if they want to get involved with um, help funding the the ride or becoming a sponsor of the ride. And then also, how do they get involved in Operation Purpose? Say, like, if they're a dude that's got some fucked up shit going on and, like, how do they go about that? You know what I mean? If they need yeah. help or if they want to help, you know? Right. So the easiest way for people to get involved, um, kind of two parts to this. If you want to help fund the ride, uh, you can go to operationpurpose.net and there's donate links all over the place. There's a tab for Ride for Light uh, 2024. It kind of gives more of a, 
like a synopsis of what we're what we're going to be doing um, for sponsorship. There's different tier levels that we've come up with, and they go from you know normal money all the way up to ridiculous money. Uh, our budget for this whole ride is eighty three thousand dollars, and that covers you know the gear, contingency funds, uh, the filmmaker. Um, and, you know, of course, wear and tear service on the bikes, um, including, uh, you know, campgrounds, food, stuff like that, it's, you know, turnkey. Um, that's on the website as well. Um, and anybody that's interested, I've got a pitch deck that we, we did for uh, hitting up corporate sponsorship. So this, this link is something that we've sent to, uh, to some of the bigger people that uh you know that have means to donate a little bit more um but the the part of the budget it's like six bucks a mile so you know you can buy a fancy coffee or you get get three veterans down the road you know so it's uh it's whatever people feel compelled to spend you know to help propel this mission um and that's you know that's a a convenient way for people to to help operation purpose the 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 more difficult way to help operation purpose is actually um to get involved uh and to get involved you don't have to be in wilmington you don't have to be part of operation purpose proper you can still achieve the same mission, you know, in your own area. And that's part of the national awareness program that we're doing. And I say program, it's not something that I've written out that's, you know, some kind of some kind of charter that we live by. But every time that I stop on the road, I just encourage other people to reach out to those that they haven't spoken to in a long time, you know, and that's all it really is. And it's it's paying it forward. You know, it's just saying, hey, man, you know, I ran into this guy at the gas station, you know, and uh, he looked like he's on top of a spaceship. And he's like, hey, man, you should go find this guy that you had to talk to and hit them up, you know, or it didn't have to be some rando person, you know, that you knew way back when. I mean, call your aunt, call your uncle, you know, call a family member, just reach out. We get so stuck these days because we're as as we're exposed to everything in social media, we actually have become more private. You know, we've 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 drawn back because we don't have real experiences anymore. We don't have real experiences with people, you know, by and large. You know, we we see it, you know, we check we hit a hit a like button, you know, we hit a heart on a on a feed and then like we've done our job for the day. No, that's bullshit. You know, you know, call somebody, man. Text them. You know, at the very least, and just scroll through the bottom of your feed, like I was saying earlier, man. And if you, if you haven't talked to this guy in a while, just hit him up, man. They'd like, they'd love to hear from you. There's nobody out there, aside from someone that you've had some real fundamental differences with, that you can't reach back out to and say, "Hey, man, you were on my mind. I was thinking about you," and then not react in a positive way. It has never happened with me, and I've done a really good job of making some enemies in my life. Yeah, that's a that's a great point too. It's like all it is is just uh, do what you want to do, anyways, right? It's like just 
nobody's going to be like, why you, why you texting me? Why are you DMing me? You know, like there's a reason why you two have a connection. You know what I mean? Like you, your, your life paths crossed at some point and it's such an easy thing to do is just be like, Hey man, I was just thinking about you, you know, like that would make my day. I don't think anybody's ever done that for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, Hey yeah. man, I haven't talked to you in a while, you know? That's, yeah, that's it's awesome. a, and it's a small gesture, but you if know. you're on the ropes, if you're on the ropes, man, like just somebody give me that lifeline, you know? And the thing that I also encourage people to do, man, it's not just reaching out. It's the, the scary thing is when they fucking tell you, Hey man, I'm not doing good. You got a minute. And then I tell them, you know, tell people the same thing I tell my kids, man. You got two ears and one mouth, man. You need to listen twice as hard as you talk, you know, and just listen to what people have to say. And we might not solve the problems. But now instead of you getting keeping it bottled up inside, now I'm helping you work. You know, and I don't ever go into this to, like, try to pry into somebody's personal life. But people, people want to share whatever they feel comfortable to share. I mean, shit. I I ain't even t- like that's not even tip of the iceberg for like my story for what I told you guys and you know and that's a pretty generic story but it's you know it's all the all the the real it's a lot of the pivotal stuff to kind of help bring me where I'm at now. Um, you know, there's people in your community, man, that are not doing well, you know, and you have access to those people, you know, and it's you know. I might, I might see him in May at the at the chopper show, or you know, I might see him, you know, at the shake, you know, at the shakedown, you know, we have in in, in a March or whatever. But it's like you think about that cat, man. Hit him up, hit him up, and you ain't got to tell him like, man, I was thinking about you, and I was worried about you. Don't even do that shit. Just be like, hey, man, how you been? I just for some reason, I don't know why, but you, you know, you crossed my mind. I just thought I'd give you give you a shout, check in on you, see how things are going. And that's all it takes. And uh one thing I've learned in my life is that it's okay to revisit friendships. So I've had friends in my life that like we were cool, and then for some reason, like let's go hang out with this motherfucker. And I don't know why, like that's a bad badass. You know, some had some badass conversations, man. We did some cool shit together, but like we're we're not like we don't talk. Like that doesn't mean anything, anybody did anything wrong. There's no reason to like be pissed at somebody, but it's like, hey man, like I haven't talked to you in a while. You know, I hope everything's okay. You know, I don't know why we don't hang out anymore. But uh we should we should change that. You know, we should I don't know, get the kids together, you know, watch them like hit each other over the head with sticks, man. We're just going to stand there and laugh at them or do whatever, you know, like just, you know, I've got a friend here in town, man. I've been telling my wife, you know, like, man, I got to, I got to get up with this guy. I've driven like right past his house twice the past week. And it's not like I've got it all figured out either. You know, it's like, it's a, you got to keep doing it. You know, you got to, even when you're tired and you don't want to, man, like sometimes you just got to reach out, man, and check that mental box, man. Like, did I do everything I need to do today? Did 
better reach out to that person better reach out to that person and it, it can turn into a job and it can turn into one of those things that's like it feels like an arduous task and what i've really tried to do over the past um past period of time that i've really been focusing on doing the buddy checks is that like i uh i'm i'm not i'm not doing it for me you know or I'm doing it, I'm sorry, I'm doing it for me just as much as I'm doing it for anybody else. So it makes me feel good. So why am I not going to do something that makes me feel good? You know, like, I get you on a rhino. Like, I mean, I'm going to hit you. I'll hit you up in the middle of the fucking night, maybe. Be like, dude, I, I drank some shit that was way worse than that shit you drank on the podcast. I have to. I have to. It has to be the worst thing I've ever had. You know, yeah. I mean, I actually had a true confession with Loctite last night. You know, when I told him that I really, I'm quite addicted to the smell of the real Loctite. You know, and it tastes good. <coughs> you know, it, it's just, you know, we, we just, you gotta, you gotta learn to get, you know, you gotta learn to get to know everybody. You know, you gotta learn to, yeah. Be stupid, you know, and be fun and, and not take shit so serious, but be willing to listen if it turns serious. Yeah. And you, you know? the the thing is, too, like what you're saying is like reaching out to people isn't hard because like I have those friends or, you know, like you haven't talked to them in six months or a year or whatever. They have a family or what they're off doing whatever, you know, living their life. But it's you can pick up right where you left off. It is not awkward. You know what I mean? Like. It doesn't have to be awkward. Don't take any baggage, you know, just like go into it and just be like, what's up, man? And you're, it's basically you're back to playing Tony Hawk in your parents' basement. You know what I mean? Like, oh, such a good game. Just chilling yeah. out, just being around, you know, like you don't have to do something either. That's the thing is like, you know, like when you're just hanging out with your boys or whatever, you're just like fucking chilling. You just have to be in the same space or like, uh, you know, like in the same conversation. I love what you said about like listening. It's like, that's like a lost art, you know, like actually listening to people. Don't just wait to say what the fuck you want to say. Just shut the fuck up and listen to people. Listen to their whole story and and that'll bring them in closer. You know, that it's like, oh, this person listened to me. You know, they actually listen. They, I didn't see their mouth like moving like they wanted to fucking say something. You know, like don't, you don't have to be giving people advice and doing that. It's, you're not coaching people. It's just they, that's all they need is someone to like listen to their shit, you know? No matter yeah. how petty it is or fucking extreme it is, it's just like, yeah, reach out and listen to your boys and listen to your girls or whoever it is, you know. You know, and to that point, there was uh, I went and did this veterans, uh, this veterans ride. We went and rode bikes like my my big BMW. Went and rode those down in Arizona uh, last winter, and um, they're real big on like somebody starts talking you shut up and you listen to them you know you don't have to recount everything that they say word for word but give them the respect this person's like here and that is to be like a really big thing they might not talk to anybody you know they want to say something and you're actually you're privileged to hear what that what's on their mind and don't use the time that they're talking to think about what you're going to say next and there's a really big thing with people that have gone through like a lot, 
especially with people with PTSD and, and all that, it's like, I coined this phrase, feel free to spread it around, but it's one-upmanship, you know, and it's guys, you know, guys that have been, you know, in, in, in the shit, and it's like, well, you know, I lost three of my best friends, and, you know, and this ID explosion or whatever, and then some guy chimes in, well, I, I lost five guys. So I call that trauma bullying. You know, it's when you're like taking your bad shit and you're trying to make somebody feel worse because their bad shit wasn't as bad as yours. And then you try to gloss over and you're like, oh, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was in a, I was in a bad spot too, except mine was worse because of this, you know, and that was something that they wouldn't, would not tolerate there. And, uh, I, um, I have a hard time with, with that with people that feel like that that's okay, you know, and, um, cause our, our, our life experiences are unique to us, you know, like all three of us could go through the same thing and we're going to remember it differently and we're going to take something differently away from it. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad or whatever, you know, like we could ride past the same truck stop on the road and all three of us be on our bikes riding right side by side, you know, Loctite's going to see this Kenworth, you know, just sitting there with like some, you know, freaking lot lizard hanging out the passenger side window. Rhino, you're going to see some family getting out of a four wheel drive pickup truck. And I'm going to see a 32 Ford just sitting off on the side. We're going to see something completely different and we're going to take something completely different away from that. So, but everything that we take away from it is valid. Everything that we take away from it is our, is, 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 is ours. It's our experience, you know, and, um, that's what we have to do more of in, in our lives. I feel is we have to let people experience lives their way, you know, and, and, and be there for them when it needs, you know, but not let them down when they need you. So I, I try to tell people, you know, I don't tell people, call me if you need me. I just tell people I'm here when you need me. I'm not going to tell you nothing. You know, I'm going to do everything in my, my power. If one of y'all from up there calls me, I know a bunch of people up there that are willing to go help anybody that I know because they know if they're important to me, then they should they'll be important to them too. I mean, it's not that I have pull. It's just that these people, they know, you know, the people that I, I've talked to and spent time with, they know that we're, you know, we're only here for a short amount of time. Man. And life's too short to make enemies and be, be an asshole to people, you know, and, and be unhappy. So we just got to be there to lift each other up. So I hope I, I, hope I answered your question about how to get involved, how to get involved with Operation Purpose. I, I, I'm not one of those people that wants to capture all the attention like some of these big silo organizations. You know, I, I, just, I don't really care to make any money off of this. Um, I just want people to appreciate one another and be there for one another. And in my local area, you know, we're working towards we're doing small events now, you know, we're doing, we're starting off with the coffee stuff. Um, now the weather is going to be starting to turn warm. We're going to ride, um, probably do breakfast, start doing some breakfast rides. Um, but 
you know, none of the preaching, you know, none of the none of the counseling kind of thing. It's not. It's all informal, you know, and whatnot. But my ultimate goal is to get a get a place here where um, people can meet, you know, and even if it's just a card table and four chairs where, you know, guys get together and play spades every week just to get out of the house, you know, that's all I ask for. You know, if, if money was no object and I had you know, access to unlimited resources, my perfect spot would be like a, an old fire department, you know, with bays, you know, in a classroom, a bunkhouse for people that just can't go home, a kitchen to feed people, you know, and, um, that's how I show my love, man. I love, I love cooking for people. I love smoking meat and, you know, watching people fill their bellies and be happy that way. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking to do some kind of share space here, you know, where, you know, you want to, you know, you want to put, uh, you know, build some adjustable push rods in your bike, you know. Well, come on, man. I got some bolt cutters and, you know, I know how to do it. And you know we can do whatever we got to do, and we're only we're only limited by not saying anything, you know. Um, so that's what I'm looking to do is just to get a place here where uh, where we can all congregate together. And it's it's starting off being veterans and first responders, you know, kind of thing. But all my friends are welcome. All my friends come from a lot of different places, and I'm not turning anybody away. So. That's where we're at. So operationpurpose.net. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook at Operation Purpose. And uh, yeah, all the donate links, if you're so inclined, spread it around. Um, I'm, I'm appreciative. Um, it's going to help us get around the country one more time and let everybody know that we're still out here. We're still caring, for, caring about them. We're still thinking about them. And we're going to pick up some more ashes and, uh, and bring them home. Oh yeah. We'll throw a link up to uh on lowlifechopperpodcast.com, a link to Operation Purpose just to make it easy. Because most of our listeners, they're not the smartest people and uh they're really bad with computers. Understand. They can only they can only memorize one URL. I hear you. <laughs> just kidding. Guys. I only have one password. I only have one password. Like I, if I something happens, I'm screwed, man. Oh yeah, same. I can't remember more yeah. than one password. That's it. And if you figure it out, like you could take, like you can hack into my, oh yeah, you know all the databases that I'm affiliated with. You know, you can go buy some shit on, you know, any on Revzilla or you know JP Cycles, or you can get into my taxes. Whatever you need to do, it's all out there. Same password. What is the password? I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> not telling. <laughs> I do the same thing, and I always get so fucking pissed off when they're like, you got to change your password. It's been like three years or whatever. Or there is a data yeah. breach. I'm like, I'm going to take my chances. I'm just using the same mm-hmm. one. What do they yeah, I just like get? Stone. I know. I'll put like an exclamation point at the end of it. Yeah, I just, just change the character. Like yeah. yeah. Or I just write it on the desk. Yeah, or I'll like put it on my phone, saved under passwords not to forget. Yeah, oh, yeah. So that's what I do. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not slick. I bought my head too many times, man. I can't. I can't afford to like be confused. But yeah, that's it, man. That's uh, that's me, man. In a nutshell. 
So if I could put uh, Navi tires on that uh, on the big beast, I might take her. But uh, I don't. I don't think she'll do too good going off road. <laughs> might be surprised those Harleys. They got good balance. Uh, before we get yeah. any further along here, we're gonna we have a new sponsorship section here. I'm gonna surprise Loctite live on air here. Oh shit! Oh, and how do I know what to do if I don't know what it is? You'll know what it is when I do my thing. But okay. <laughs> All right, you ready? We need that hike. It's God. Up first, we got Steve from Deadbeat Customs, the creator of the Deadbeat Retreat, where all low lives go to die. I thought I was supposed to loop the whole time. Uh, you just threw me off. You just threw me right off. Um, Let's loop it. The creator of the Deadbeat Retreat, where all low lives go to die. Steve has been supporting us since the very fucking beginning, through everything, through us getting canceled. Through me saying continuous fucked up shit that pisses a lot of people off on this show, Steve don't give a fuck. He's the real deal, Holyfield, and supports us on everything we do. So help us return the favor. Shop at deadbeatcustoms.com. Use code LOWLIFE at checkout to save some motherfucking money. And check out that blog. We on there, Chopping 101, baby. Up next. You always got to do the blog part. Next, we got low. Brow Customs, everything you need for, for the road ahead. One of the building and talking motorcycle from the engine, the frame, transmissions, uh, well, transmission components. I don't know if they do whole transmissions, fenders, gas tanks, everything you need at Lowbrow Customs. Lowbrow literally supports every grassroots chopper show. I guarantee you've never been to a chopper show that does not have a low life banner. So help return the favor. Shop at Lowbrow Customs. Dot com. Low Life supported the Low Life Lowdown. They had banners up, baby. They gave us a big box. Up yeah. next, we got No Luck Paintworks. Dan the Man from Manchester, New Hampshire, cooking up some of the dopest fucking paint jobs on the East Coast. He does everything from chopper paint jobs to Dyna Bro shit, bagger stuff. Uh, he'll paint you shit for your fucking garage if you want. Hell, Dan will paint your house. I'm just kidding. He won't paint your house, but he'll paint everything else. Um, check him out at No Luck Paintworks on Instagram and tell him his boys from the Low Out Chopper podcast sent you. Love you, Dan. Next, we got Steel City Blacksmithing. Josh is the, the only blacksmither that I know, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, there's another one, too, but I fucking forget. <laughs> Um, the only anyways, one you can remember. Yeah, fuck, dude. God damn it, he's gonna hate me too. He's a Florida dude. Sorry, man. I fucking I'm drawing a blank. He does blades though. Super fucking sick. We've done an episode with him. Go check it out. Um, anyways, Steel City Blacksmithing, twisting everything metal. He's got the lathes. He's got fucking pretty much anything you need made. He can fucking make it happen. Go give him a follow at SteelCityBlacksmithing.com and check out. Oh, follow him at Steel City Blacksmithing on Instagram. And check out steelcityblacksmithing.com. What uh the knife is he a knife maker? The uh, other who? Yes, the it's other KO Defended. KO def- that's his knife. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's Bruh. the exact knife. I was just talking to him. I was like, I need one of those. That's a gut knife. 
Dude, I got this is the everyday defendant, and then I also have the everyday defendant uh mini. And it's like Damn. a ha- it's like half this size. Uh they're fucking sharp as fuck. I have cut myself innumerable times. Actually, Josh yeah. from Steel City has one and he sliced himself real good on that shit. Sharp as fuck, but uh I remember that awesome guy to work with, yeah. And uh <laughs> yeah, dude, good prices for the sheath and the knife. All right, next up we have Stay Strong Co., the homie that makes the only hot sauce that both of these motherfucking co-hosts love to put in their mouth. I'm telling you, this shit is amazing. It's good on any meat that you want to put it on. It's the best on chicken wings. It's good on... It's Here's the thing. It's not like your conventional hot sauce. It's not like one you just like... So much more. Eh, 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 like dumping on there. It's like a sauce. It's almost like, it's like the texture of barbecue sauce. Um, it's fucking amazing. And make sure you stay tuned because I talked to John Luke himself. Right now he's on the road, but when he gets back, we are in the lab and we are collabing to make a Stay Strong Co. Low Life Chopper Podcast hot sauce. So make sure you go follow him on Instagram and uh, watch out for that hot sauce drop. All right, next up we have a new sponsor to the show. Burnt Up Wood Burning, Matt. He does all custom shit by hand, no CNC, not an engraver. He's doing word burning. I'm going to throw up some pictures of some of the shit he does. Fucking dope. Give him a design. He'll put it on wood. He does people's cars. He does people's bikes. He does a ton of bike shit, too. Uh, but burnt up wood burning. New sponsor of the show. Uh, cool dude. You know he's cool. He likes the show. He listens to the show. So, you know he's a good dude. I'm going to throw up some pics on Friday uh when we post this shit of some of his work it's fucking amazing it looks like a photo it's so, it's so good dude it looks like a photograph so and I, he said he did it all freehand and i was like are you lying to me because well, God it damn. looks photo realistic <laughs> and uh i'm gonna hit him up and and see if he can do something for uh for lcp here uh and we can hang it up dude they fucking chunks of wood wood burning with their bikes on it with the fucking lcp logo it's gonna be hot so hey, check out son. He's listening to this. Listen, if you need any wood, I have hundreds <laughs> of pine rounds and hardwood rounds. Come pick them up. Bring a truck, buddy. You can have them all. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> up next, we have Rhino Resto, inconveniently located in Hannah Hampshire, home of the Vapor Honer Boner, except no substitutions with a focus on vintage motorcycles and tool restorations friendly service <laughs> even friendlier prices contact me today uh i actually got my old uh instagram uh name back i used to be uh after i got canceled on instagram i was rhino underscore resto but now i'm back to rhino resto on instagram oh, sure. i thought you so, were saying they gave you back the account no those fucking cocksuckers never answered me same thing with the Spotify bullshit. Once you're canceled, you're canceled for good. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. fuck. So anyways, uh, contact me today. John Luke, I'm working on your pan. I'm going to send you some progress pictures. I actually did the bottom end, and it's looking minty, buddy. Up next, last but not least. Loctite Shop Shop, conveniently located in Epping, New Hampshire, the motherfucking center of the universe. Uh, anything you need pinstripe, hit me up. If you want garage signage, you want your tins done, whatever the fuck you want. 
uh, hit me up. We'll make it happen. You can mail me your shit if you're not local. If you are local and you're not a weirdo, I'll come to your place and do it. Or you can drop them off and I can do it here, which is preferred. Uh, hit me up on Lockfed Shop Shop on Instagram or Lockfed Shop Shop at Low Life Chopper Podcast. Oh, last, but certainly not least. Save the best for last. This show, the Low Life Chopper Podcast. You can go to lowlifechopperpodcast.com. It has all the links to all of our shops and socials, Big Cartel, uh, Instagram, YouTube, and soon to be Operation Purpose. We'll have a link there if you want to get involved. Uh, lowlifechopperpodcast.com. It's in the bottom of this video somewhere. Uh, it's so easy to remember. It's the name of the show.com. So check us out. Uh, that's the one stop shop for everything low life. So, and last but not least, oh, <laughs> the homie Perry at Operation oh. Purpose. Listen, I knew Perry for about, I think we got the chat for a solid 10 minutes at the lowdown because, like he said, we were so fucking busy. It's so hard to talk to everybody when you're running the fucking show. Um, but with that 10 minutes, me and Perry became lifelong fucking friends. Um, I can contest without getting into too much fucking detail. Operation Purpose has helped me through some crazy shit. Um, and I'm not a vet, but Perry understands the shit I was going through. He has people that can directly relate to the shit I was going through. And that shit saved my fucking life. So that's what I can tell you is even if you're not a vet, if you're just a dude that needs fucking help or you feel like you can give some help. You've been through some shit. You understand where somebody's coming from. Hit up Operation Purpose. Uh, follow them on Instagram. If you can donate to help him make this trip possible, great. Um, but word of mouth and just sharing his post is also extremely helpful. Another thing um, I didn't even bring it up. Um, too many shots in the head. If anybody wants to get a hold of me personally, my number is 406-VETERAN. Just dial it on your phone, 406-VETERAN. And uh, you talk to me. And I might not have, have advice, but I'll listen. And um, I, can, uh, I can always listen. So anybody needs me, here I am. That's awesome. All right, guys. Perry, thank you so sure. much for coming on. And uh, such such great work you're doing. I think it's so important. Uh, and I'm so excited to continue working with you. I'm going to do one more shot of Malort to end the show. God. Perry, stick around. <laughs> Perry, Perry, stick around uh, after the recording is ended. But we're going to end it with my Malort face again. I'm doing this for you, low lives. Snort. This is not. This is not healthy. This can't be healthy. This tastes God. like fucking dog God. shit. This is terrible. All right. Next week, low lives. <laughs>